Listen to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. My name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight and the co-host of Track Changes. I am the other co and co, Rich Ciotti. Paul? Yes, Rich. This is when we do the pitch, right? We talk about how great we are. Yeah, people usually skip over this part, but what the hell? Let's do it anyway. Yeah, we, we build. We're a technology shop, a design and technology shop. We design and build amazing products, technology products, whether it be mobile, web, platform, guts underneath, we, we do it and we do it killer across all sectors. So if you're in pharma, uh, media, finance, we're there. We're there for you. All right. That's enough pitch. Hello at postlight.com. That's right. That's how okay. you get in touch with us. That's all an right. email address for our younger listeners. Yes. Um, okay. So net neutrality happened. It sure did, or didn't it? First uh, off, that uh, guy looks like a weasel. Man. I'm not a big fan of that guy. He's a weasel. Um, this is, okay, so the person we're talking about is the head of the FCC. I think his name is Ajit, Ajit Pai. Pai or something. Yeah. So he um, he's just kind of openly, like so many things that are going on right now, like he's just kind of openly in the hands of, of the big telecommunications firms that wanted net neutrality to go away. Well, it falls under the, the grander... Uh, principle of less government, right? That's kind of the thinking is like, why does government have to wedge itself into free markets? Well, and so we should also point out that Congress through some miracle in which an angel appears and says, don't do this, uh, could possibly vote against net neutrality repeal Mm -hmm. at this point. But for the most part, it looks kind of like a done deal. Yeah, it does. And Net neutrality is one of those things that every time I read about it, I'm like, I get this. I totally understand it. Yeah. And then when I have to explain it, my brain turns into a giant piece of sponge cake, which is very embarrassing given the business that I'm in. Yeah. Do you have a good definition? I do. We actually live in a current state of net bias in that certain people have faster internet than other people. In fact, certain people with more money have a faster internet than other people. You'll notice that if you have a Verizon, a Fios account or a Spectrum account, you can actually pay for like turbo, ultra turbo, turbo. You can just pay an extra 15 bucks a month and you get better speeds. So you could argue that these big internet providers, in fact, uh, already quote unquote discriminate, meaning if you can afford it, you get faster internet than someone else. But what they don't do is they don't cut it along data or content. And this is actually happening in certain countries. In certain countries, you pay one fee for the internet and then for an extra $5 a month, you get access to YouTube. So it's not that different from getting basic cable where you get, you know, the 130 channels and, you know, deep in your cable boxes. Like there's always people building houses like as you go into the hundred channel, like channel one fifty, oh, everybody's yeah. building a house, HDTV and stuff like that. All that nonsense, yeah. So, Home and but garden. so let's say that's fifty bucks a month. You get those hundred and thirty channels of bullshit. But if you want HBO, it's an extra eight. Okay. So there isn't, uh, you know, TV neutrality died a long time ago. 
I mean, I guess this is slightly complicated by the fact that many, some of our major uh, cable and internet service providers are also our major content providers. It's a mess. Like the whole thing's a mess. Time Warner has CNN and HBO, and that's right. Comcast has I don't know. Like, that's exactly right. Yeah. So and, now and they also get to decide. They get to shape the traffic that goes through the pipes. Yeah. So you could make an argument like, well, why is this bad? What's so bad about it? They do it with TV. Why can't they do it with the internet? And people have made that argument, and that's where we are now. That's called a free, free, freer market. Like, let let the chips fall where they may. I mean, my cynical read on this is that it basically came down to whoever's lobbyists were in control at this moment. And that Google, Facebook, and Silicon Valley in general has just isn't good at Washington, D.C. Like, they should have been bribing people 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And instead, they just showed up with a briefcase full of cash, and everybody's like, you're a little late, guys. AT&T and I live here. We have an apartment together. Yeah. You know, Verizon, they, we go to the we, – we swim together. Our kids yeah. are in school together. And meanwhile, you showed up with some cash, and we're like, hey, don't get rid of net neutrality. And they're right. like, yeah, you're going to be gone in six months, whereas yeah. AT&T is here to stay. And that's what I think Congress is saying. That is what Congress is saying. and. I can make a, I think I can make a pretty good case that net, that we already don't have net neutrality in wow. that the speed of an amazon.com transaction um, in fact affects the rest of the internet that if you visit a mom and pop e-commerce website um, it is still dealing with the same highway system right and what you have in the power of, a, of an Amazon, to not only have amazing hardware and servers that push this stuff out, but also its ability through a very complex system of networks and accelerators and caching across the internet to just nudge everybody into the slow lane. It's true. Amazon is faster because it is a big platform with more engineers and more power. Without a doubt. And so they're able to go, look, you know, someone in Topeka wants to buy um, a Lisa Frank coloring book. Mm -hmm. Let's make that a two-second process. That's right. And so there's a lot of things that go into that, down to like the design of the web page, the overall architecture, the way the database works. And if you're like setting something up on, on, you know, your Yahoo store. Good luck. uh, You're just going to have a hell of a time competing. Yeah. And also, I think what you see, too, is there's just search doesn't drive things in the way that it used to. One of the, at one point, Google just owned the entire Internet. And it was kind of a benevolent overlord in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. increasingly, if you want to watch something, what do you do? You might go to YouTube. You're more likely, if you're in our cohort, to go to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of take Netflix's bizarre selection. You're like, oh, should yeah. I watch The Crown or Garfield 4? <laughs> you know, Garfield just in space. endless pool. I've had entire nights or like... I, I just turned to my wife and said, let's pick something and watch it on Netflix. And we end up watching oh, like 70 to 80 trailers. They should literally just make a show about people picking things to watch on Netflix. <laughs> That's a bad scene. And you just sit there and just yeah. like watch. It's it's the Ikea of selection services right. for video. It's right. You're just going to have some kind of fight. I usually just leave the room and go and watch some boring thing. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make a case as to why everybody is pissed off. Okay. But it might be too late. Okay. Um, the amount of value creation that has occurred on the internet since it started is because of a an open transit system that pretty much allowed innovation to flourish. Because I couldn't get trounced by Procter and Gamble mm-hmm. or 
Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. right? Enormous, enormous value creation happened because there was this open place for anyone. It was like when they went west. The colonists were on the East Coast because, you know, vessels and boats were going across the ocean. And then at one point they said, let's go west. And it was barren mostly, but value creation happened in a maddeningly fast way because there was all this open resource that was available that allowed anyone to compete, right? The free market, right? If you're successful on the internet, what do you do? You are become, so success on the internet, put money aside, is about having a platform where you can centralize and draw more and more attention and engagement right. towards yourself, right? That's right. And and the the incumbents protect themselves, right? And, and boy, do they, right? Exactly. Like there's not, it's, it, this, this is what makes it all so tricky is because net neutrality being repealed kind of does screw the mom and pops, but boy, did they get screwed a while ago. They're already screwed. Right? Like we just live in the shadow of Google, Facebook, et cetera. It's over. I I also live in the shadow of T-Mobile. I live in the shadow of Verizon. Like I can't – this is a tricky one because like my relationship with global telecommunications and technology firms feels very personal. Yeah. But ultimately you just – it's ended up in a situation where – Angry giants are battling. Yeah. And the thing that actually created all the value is getting devalued and it's going to be a little harder to participate. And that's that's real. You, yeah. I mean, the, ch- the decision. Like we didn't as, a organ- as a country are like these big platform companies are like, whoa, don't mess with our ability to really thrive. But they didn't say to themselves like Facebook and Google didn't say to themselves, hey, let's figure out a way to let a lot of gardens bloom. Yeah. And because that really is what matters about net neutrality. They said, hey, wait a minute. Don't take away our ability. You, you know, we're going to you're going to have to pay extra for YouTube. Right. Right. Which I get fine. But then it's like when they right. take it away from you and suddenly like, you know, if Verizon is making the world harder for Google, it's hard to shed a lot of tears because the, the sort of the oxygen has been taken away from the open web to such an insane degree. Oh yeah, exactly. And and let's face it, I mean, Google is is not going to be a babe in the woods here. In fact, if Netflix doesn't like what Time Warner Cable plans to do with it, Netflix has a hell of a lot of leverage here. Yeah, These are do. monsters fighting monsters. A lot here, of so. big law firms are going to do. I think that's Yeah. who's going to really thrive? Lots of lawyers. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if it'll be lawyer. I think it'll just be hardcore negotiations like, "Listen, man, ease up." Ease up, or we're going to tighten the screws yeah, on Yeah, we're going to tell people they can't have the crown because they're on Verizon. <laughs> I right? can't watch trailers That's on, right. on Verizon. So it's big and messy and complicated. You know what I keep looking to, and I, I think what's interesting is a lot of people are reacting uh, Vice Vice's motherboard, and we should say that Vice is a client, by the way, but Vice's motherboard came out with an article where they talked about they're going to install a mesh network at the office, right? Like people... One of the reactions to all this at a grassroots level is to just go, the things that fundamentally define the internet and all the internet backbones can be recreated elsewhere cheaply with like sort of consumer grade technology and we can have our own off the grid internet. So maybe we should just do that. It's just, it makes for a good article, man. I don't even know what that means. Well, probably, you know what that means? It means like just extraordinary levels of piracy, really. Is what it, means. <laughs> like it means like, right. oh man, look, I just found an open hard drive filled with every, you know, right. Star Wars, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's what I think. 
here's one thing I would say. Like the idea of a network, like I, there's an open cell phone platform. There's open internet platforms. The idea of jumping onto a network where you are basically just peered because you plug into something to the wall and point something out the window. Yeah. And that people would find each other and connect and then figure out ways to send email to and connect with the larger public internet and get on services and so on. It's actually how the whole thing came together in the first place. Yeah. So I don't want to discount it because I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, I love this idea, but I'm probably – going to go buy a Pixel 2 at the Verizon store in the next couple of days. It's just, it's because, going to be this cute no, but that's community how my, with a message board. That's Let's how my life real. is right now. But what I would say is a couple of years from now, we can go, oh man, remember when everybody was all about mesh networks after net neutrality? But it's also possible that like five years from now, I'm calling you on my mesh phone. Yeah. Because this stuff does tilt weirdly. Like the more I laugh at something and the more I'm like, yeah, that'll never work, the more the little thing in the back of my neck goes, well, hold on a minute. Well, let me help you with this, Paul. It'll never work. Oh, great, Rich. Great. We'll come back to this five years from now. I will put a wager that it will never work. The inertia of information will have you wondering how you call your friend Dale, who is not on the mesh network, and off you go. There are solutions there. I mean, there's like everyone got on WhatsApp one day. Mm, Yeah. Everybody could get on MeshNet. Yeah. Especially if it's free. Like if it it approaches free, you have like billions of people who would like this. Yeah. Um, All right. So we- Checking back in in two years. All right. We differ. We differ a little (laughs) bit on the possibilities of Um, MeshNet. Anyway, I, I, I think I'm less- upset about it because I think more cynically that we're already sort of there. I think, well, it's, so that's real. I don't real. feel like the world is going to change a whole lot. Well, and it's tricky for us, right? Because I would say that some of our success and some of our, some of the things that we service and build as an organization are based on that principle of like, let's centralize, reward people's engagement. We work mm-hmm. for big media companies. We build platforms. So sure. we are... We're playing the game. We're connected to this. Yeah, no. And, and yeah. we define success some ways in, in how we how we play that game. Speed is a huge part of design and product management and engineering. It actually touches everything. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like this just happened. We build internet platforms. What do we do to react to changes in net neutrality? Now, first of all, nothing because, you know, Congress hasn't even – Voted on it. And it's not like there's going to be a ton of changes in the next 10 minutes. No. But what do we even think as a platform company about something like this changing? Well, I think today, nothing. I think two years from now, do you remember when you used to have um, all these different browsers were popping up, right? Sure. And Opera, Spyglass. Correct. Global News Navigator. And each one didn't have like, you know, Zeldman didn't come yet from on high talking web standards. Sure. So you had all kinds of messy JavaScript in there, sending you to different parts of the world, different parts of town to deal with Netscape's weird 7.1 and higher Oh, I see what you're saying. So there was this point, right, where all the different browsers behaved differently. And you had to write code and design. Sometimes you had to do completely different designs. You did. And it would always be like Internet Explorer 5. That was the one that broke everybody's heart. Right. 
An enormous amount of the current web is a direct response to the nightmare that was Internet Explorer 5. That's right. That's right. So now imagine a world where everything that's coming in over Verizon has a bar across the top. Right. <laughs> now, right. I don't think Verizon's going to be that intrusive. No, but it is the kind of like, they're going to, here's what they could do, right? They could traffic shape so that you get lower resolution unless you pay for a certain plan. That'd be weird, but yes. I think they actually already do this on mobile, yeah. right? And right. so you're at home and you're you're logged in through your Time Warner and, and then like every couple of days you get that big pop-up modal yep. ad yep. that says, want the high definition experience? Yeah. Ready to pay for it? And they're right. watching your Netflix and right. you pay them a premium of $4 a, a month. Right. And that's for high def across everything. It's high def YouTube. It's it's faster traffic. All of it. And, and I think, you know, we've had Jeffrey Zellman on the show before. And, you know, it was a while ago when he started evangelizing standards. standards. And it was such a boring thing to evangelize. But, man, there is so much design and, and, and engineering energy that was going into dealing with the problem. Well, that I think a lot of creativity and a lot of innovation came out at the other side of no, standards. That's right. You have creativity because you have constraints, right? You're like, here's a system. And if we follow this system and push against it, we'll come up with some interesting ideas. Yeah. If you give everybody a completely blank page, nothing ever happens. It's right. chaos. Right. And, and so what was happening instead of people pushing against that system, they were just hacking against garbage all the time. All the time. That's why Flash was sort of a safe haven because you knew it was going to run the same way everywhere. I think that's really important for people to remember. Like Flash gets associated with banner ads at this point. But when it first came out, it was the only truly consistent cross-platform browser environment. You knew it would work. And so it, it actually was the place where like if you needed to do something tricky, maybe with commerce or video or moving it's images. The only way to get consistency. Audio. That was it. Right. And so consistency, I think is a challenge. Like if they start blowing up how the system works consistently, it's going to slow a lot of things down. Well, and what we know already is that service providers, you know, when they have like free Wi-Fi or whatever, sometimes they'll like put a little ad, an ad injection. Well, you is ever a big misspell thing. Uh, a domain? Yeah. And if you're. Uh, uh, it takes you, you end up in this weird part of town. Yeah. Like it does, Time Warner does this to me now. I think they're, they're called Spectrum now. They've changed their name 11 they're, they're times. They're just trying to make you forget. Yeah. <laughs> and if you type, you know, Google.com, you end up in this weird place oh, yeah. where they take the word and search against it. It's really weird. It's really weird, right? But they're going to get they're going to get a penny yeah. out of that process. Well, that's an error, right? That's yeah. a user error. How about non-user error? How about before I end up at the site, I show you what's a Lipitor. Well, this is the thing, right? And it, it's what an enormous amount of this stuff that I think most people think is is actually that there are lots of rules. There aren't any rules. It is what I can get away with. Right. And so somebody exactly. somebody goes like, basically, it's will I suffer an immense brand perception hit if I do this? If I inject ads into everybody's Wi-Fi connection so uh -huh. that Lipitor pops up, yeah. A, do they even know it's from me hosting right. from the free or the whatever Wi-Fi, right. injecting into their New York Times page? Or do they just assume that's the Times? Right. Uh, and B, if they if it is connected to me in an obvious way, will my brand suffer so much that I will lose market value? Right. And so you know, this is the actual. They're going to mess around. I mean, this yeah. is this is natural in a in a commercial environment. They're going to mess around. If they're the same people that are selling you HBO, they're going to throw down an ad or a banner that says, 
hey, before you go to the site, just keep in mind the new Game of Thrones starts in 26 days. And then like they can actually check if you have HBO, like as you're surfing the internet. <sighs> this right? is what's tricky, right? And this is where, again, I sorry to bring it back up, but the mesh network starts to become more and more attractive. Well, Not because, because I don't, the de facto opt-in of using modern telecommunications networks is that everybody knows everything about you at all times and can share it with anyone. Right. And they use that to shape messages that are designed to stimulate you in such a way that you will get out your wallet, which is a very negative form of stimulus day in, day out. Yes. And there is no true opt-out. Like right. not even rich people can escape this stuff. Right. Let me ask you a question now, just just to not to dive into the mesh network, because one of the things I love about you, Paul, is you're very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the mesh network get to Twitter? There's a couple. Of, I mean, do you want the technical answer or the sort of spiritual answer? Spiritual. It probably doesn't. I don't think that you can try to compete with the vast force and success of giant centralized platforms. Yeah. You have to, in fact, you have to come from another direction and actually try to compete from a very different angle. So Twitter is going to be Twitter and people are going to still gain access to the public internet. And if you were on a mesh network, you can probably still peer with, you can, you can peer with the public internet and go to twitter.com. You might also go to like nycmesh.local.here, mm-hmm. you know, and that would be your little pocket, vest pocket world. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to go great. <laughs> Regardless, I don't know. It's pretty fast. Things are things are getting faster. Here's what <laughs> I would say. Here's what I would say. All of that aside, I see a usage pattern that's very different than the current big giant platforms. What I think is, let's say I'm a teenager, and I really like another teenager. It's my buddy or my you know my best friend, and I want to be kind of in a club with them. And what I have, I went to the store. Where somebody mailed me, I have this thing. It's like a gumstick. And every time you sn- you can snap off little USB keys from the gumstick. And every time you plug one of those into your home computer or into your phone or whatever hell device you use day to day, it gets you into a little secret club yeah. made up of web called technology. a Russian server. No, no, you don't have to. It's all peer-to-peer or it's on the network or whatever. But sure. It's, I'm no, going to no, plug no. in USB sticks that I picked up at a bodega. Honestly? <laughs> I mean, uh, teenagers would do that, right? Uh, they probably would. No, but they, they might also would. just... Where w- are you going right now? Where am I go- where where going? Where are you going? Here's what I'm thinking, is that little tiny clubs <laughs> that are private, <laughs> what I just described to you, it, let's say I got it from somewhere clean and easy. Somewhere Postlight actually, provides strategic... Let's say Postlight <laughs> did this. Let's say Postlight went into hardware. You could buy that little gumstick that has like, let's say, 10 little USB things. Uh-huh. Is a VPN. That's all it is. It's a virtual private network. Okay. And so it's a peer-to-peer virtual private network where me and my 10 friends and uh-huh. only my 10 friends okay. can hang out, share files, link, and okay. say whatever the hell we want and okay. no one else knows. Um, we focus on large-scale platforms that, and, and scaling those platforms but and complex APIs yes, that run but between I w- them. I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't thinking about the ways that little tiny networks pop up and become much cooler and more interesting than the giant platforms. That's fair. That is right. interesting. It is optimistic. It is idealistic. And you I all know, dude. I should think see Teens Paul's... may not want to be on Facebook. I think there are less teens on Facebook. I, I, who knows, man? I love the idea of something blowing up the world and putting it putting together the little pieces again. I think again. little ad hoc social networks. I think that stuff networks, is really cool. And, and like Legos. Right. Right. 
Um, I, I just, I just, I'm a bit more of a realist than you are. So anyway, here's, I think the message we're getting across here. And I, you know, I think I like where you took it because I was just going to end it on a cynical note, but you took it to a very promising place. Optimistic place. Here's the thing is like, you actually are seeing me in my, you, you like to cast me as like the starry eyed one. I'm actually very cynical. I think people just continually reject big, ugly things when they get bored with them and they want to create their own little worlds where they can tell everyone else to go to hell. And right now, and I think that's fun. I think I, I the mean, internet have, is doing a garbage job of yeah. letting people set up their little scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think it would be absolutely fascinating and interesting. Um, I just don't know if it can it can withstand the appeal of connect of, of the network. I wonder too, like that's if that I, happened, put it. is there also like this point of adulthood where you like say goodbye? Yeah. And go. Yeah, you sound like a 13-year-old, which who doesn't want to sound like a 13-year-old these days? No, exactly. Like right. you, you go hang out with your cool buds, but there's yeah. probably a point where you're like, I'm going to college. I'm, yeah. Dude, yeah, I just went and got a Verizon phone. My dad wanted me to get one. Enough. He doesn't want me on the mesh network anymore. He yeah. wants me like connected to Wikipedia. Which is fine. I mean, that's when you move on from like Guar to the Counting Crows. I don't think anyone ever, ever moved on from Guarda the County. That is not a natural transition. Right. So are we headed towards a world of shit with uh, net neutrality uh, being? I mean, I think it sounds like what we said. And I think what we're saying here is that we're check al- your shoes. Yeah, You're standing in shit already. We're kind of already on our way. <laughs> and the giant platform companies made a situation in which they kind of went to war with the the baby bells that have now become the largest telecommunication companies in America. Yeah. And they lost and that's bad for all of us, but it's, and it's particularly bad for them and it'll all just get worked out with a bunch of lawyers and contracts. Mm-hmm. It'll the, be given a, a name, some the, code name. The thing I hold on to is that first of all, it's insanely hard and complex to build a truly competitive platform with a capital P on the modern internet because you're competing with things like YouTube and Amazon. Yeah. So a, the, the, the goalposts got moved quite a while ago and B the core fundamentals of the web, like you can still go get a server and set up a web page. Like the, yeah. all the things, all of the standards still do apply. And yeah. in fact, it's actually, they really apply. Like right. they work across browsers now ways they didn't used to. So the fundamental promise of this whole shebang is still being honored. It is, and I don't think that'll change. I hope not. I mean, every, I t- every time change. it gets threatened, it seems to kind of find Figure its way back out. home. Yeah. 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 Well, look, Rich. Paul. Net, net neutrality. We're going to be okay. I think we're going to be I okay. Think I think it's one, a disappointing uh, like signal towards what the how the internet got us here. It's like, you know what it is? It got us here, and now we're bailing on it a Well, don't forget bit. it was publicly funded, too. Like, it's just yeah. this kind of relentless. Couldn't you give a little back? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know we, what? You know what was a tipping point for me when I thought, okay, it's about to get unfair? Akamai. Oh, and then when, Akamai when you could pay out, for caching. When you could pay for speed and for, like, essentially prioritizing yourself. That's right. You're, ahead of others. That's right. I was like, whoa, this is tricky. It is really tricky. It's very complicated. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the whole story is one of a, a public good that as it expanded became more and more private and more and more centralized. And Natural. So, so we've ended up here. This Natural. is kind of the, yeah, this is the process of these things. 
And it's not the sort of thing – people are upset about it, but it's not the sort of thing that we really take to the streets about. And so here we are again. Here we are. So some new disruptive thing. Maybe it's not gumstick USB keys, but some new disruptive crappy thing that terrifies everybody is on its way. Yes. I believe that. Yes. Humans are fun. People don't like big giant things. They like to knock them down. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of people. Unless Bitcoin has siphoned away so much intellectual energy that it'll just never happen. (laughs) All right. Uh, so, you know, people should know that this is Track Changes. And I'm Paul Ford, and that was Rich Ciotti, and we're from Post Light. We love you talking to us. You can send us an email. Hello at postlight.com. Send questions, compliments, feedback. Rank us on iTunes. Everybody tells us that really matters, and uh, we appreciate it when you do. And yeah, we do. We love emails. We so. love you. That's right. Have yeah. a great week, Paul. Bye, have a good week.